Homestuck. We're back, and today we, we have a guest, uh, New Zealand filmmaker and designer Rowan Burnham. We're going to talk about the New Zealand cinema. Both sort of me and Eileen don't know as much about the uh, New Zealand cinema as I think as we should, as, and as everyone should. Yeah. And uh, uh, Rowan is um, currently working um, on a documentary about California uh, sort of California oligarchs and California water crisis uh, called uh, Pistachio Wars. It's going to be out hopefully next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can check out actually um, a trailer from uh, his the Kickstarter campaign. And uh, ah, yeah, full disclosure. So that film is uh, sort of co-directed with Yasha Levine, my husband. So mm-hmm. I guess that's, <laughs> that's the connection. But actually, Rowan is part of the exile team going way back has nothing to do with this documentary and yasha right elaine so because he, he was sort of a, a friend uh, of john dolan oh, from john new zealand dolan. yes way back in the uh, yeah john dolan's new zealand days when he taught at the mm-hmm. university of otago um for a number of years yeah um yeah, so it's so exciting um, to talk to Rowan and get a get a beat because he's you know worked in the industry and it's a very small tight industry. So he he has a lot of, a lot of insight to offer about you know the leading personalities and how it works and you know, aspects of its history. So fantastic yeah. that we finally get to talk to him. I also wanted to just quickly note that you know we we we're gonna bring up an essay um, by another friend, um, Catherine Dolan, who's actually married to John Dolan. This is so we're also entangled. Such um, nepotism today, such like, nepotism. Full on. but it really is. <laughs> a very informative essay and we're going to yes. relate it to several films and it's 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 part of a of an installment that was called New Zealand is no paradise sex drugs and denial it was a five part series in, in which caused a lot of controversy because she really goes into what it was like what a kind of as she says you know what a dangerous place for children especially for girls and it really kicked up a lot of um on the part of a lot of angry New Zealanders. Mm-hmm. Um, so just so you, you can note that as we go through. Yeah, uh, I guess uh, just sort of semi-warning, uh, since we go into the weeds of certain uh, movies, um, mm-hmm. they're going to be spoilers for those movies, but those movies are from, I don't know, they're from old, 30, 40 80. years ago. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I guess it, it doesn't seem like a crime, but they're going to be spoilers. And another yeah. thing, I sort of me and Eileen were like excited to discover that. Uh, that's what we mostly talk about within uh regarding New Zealand cinema mm-hmm. is that New Zealand has almost like a somewhat definitive kind of New Zealand gothic genre. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we, we're going to get into that and sort of try to speculate what's that about. Yes. So enjoy it. Yes. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. This is going to be a good one. Yeah. And then we're, we're going to kind of see you. It doesn't make sense. Why see you? <laughs> Talk to you. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be back next week. Of course. specific topic we just really wanted to get into New Zealand cinema which is a really interesting um, cinema with uh, depending on how you look at it either a long history or a short history um, because it, it it takes a very long time before there's a, a real an industry so to speak mm-hmm. um, which is 70s 80s it's, there's this big uh, movement of New Zealand cinema kind of concurrent with Australian cinema um, but before then there's filmmaking but there's no there's no um, real industry so it's a, like a short but intense and interesting cinema um, that you know a lot of people don't know a lot about and we have Rowan right here as a filmmaker who um, from New Zealand so we can't miss this opportunity um, to talk about it. Um, yeah, I can't promise I'm an expert. I, I did a paper 
on, <laughs> on cinema years ago when I was at university. Um, and, and other than that, I am a New Zealander and I'm, you know, involved in films. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, token New Zealander here. Yeah, but, uh, you're going to be the expert regardless. So you could tell us. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I can bring a little bit of local knowledge. (laughs) I'm sure you do. (laughs) It's sort of weird that my, um, I guess Eileen's probably also like knowledge of anything like related to New Zealand culture in the end boils down to those, um, our friend uh, Catherine Dolan's sort of installment Mm -hmm. (laughs) pieces on the horrors of growing up in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And she's from the town with you, right? Oh, is she? uh, she's even further south than me. She, I think she's from Chicago, um, but her and John did meet in Dunedin, which is a town where I grew up. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, John, my connection to, I suppose, to your world is, is John Dolan, uh, who taught mm-hmm. it. Um, he taught creative writing at a University of Otago, mm-hmm. uh, which is right, at, right down south of Dunedin, in New Zealand. Wait, you took his creative writing class? I didn't realize that. No, I never took it. I had friends that, that did, um, but he was good friends with one of my professors, um, Terry Tutel, uh, mm-hmm. and and then I did a filmmaking uh, paper with Terry, or you know, a number of papers. And John apparently liked my short film, <laughs> so that was my claim to fame. Wow, so many roads lead to John Dolan. I had no idea of this back history. <laughs> wow, this is exciting. Um, yeah, so yeah, John spent many a harrowing year <laughs> in New Zealand <laughs> while he was teaching. Yeah, and yeah, Catherine. We should. I forget the name of Catherine's great piece, but it was very controversial about growing up and the and the a kind of uh, what how how would one put it an incredibly hostile hostile um, kind of gender hell. Um, of being a girl growing up in in a macho culture in New Zealand, but that got a lot of um, um, screaming New Zealanders um, objecting to her her portrait of it. Yeah, definitely. Like it's some kind of like hick land with um, that worships rugby, and <laughs> but then I don't know. A lot of people obviously hated her for for the piece, but then she grew up in a really suburban environment. I imagine probably mm-hmm. there's some truth to like. Not to the attacks, but to the criticism that probably if you like in a more urban setting like Auckland, it's not exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very different in the South and especially as you mm-hmm. get on, onto the farm and stuff like that. There's sort of a pragmatism, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a hearty, you know, rural heartland pragmatism or and, and, and also it's just it's quite remote. Like even the towns didn't mm-hmm. even, I mean, it's kind of a, maybe less so now, but it was definitely kind of a hippie town when I grew up, uh, you know. That and, you know, all the died in the world kind of conservative types. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but you know, speaking of the, this, the kind of the cinema or the new industry and before that, just like separate filmmakers that emerged in New mm-hmm. Zealand and then kind of moved some of them to Hollywood. Like, do they tend to come and is it more like an urban thing to do, right? So that's, or, or is it not like the people who... Um, that's a good question. I mean, some of those early ones, like... Um, Jeff Murphy or Roger Donaldson. I'm actually not sure where they're from. I, I'd imagine they were from, I mean, they definitely seem to be North Islanders. Uh, so probably Auckland or Wellington. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, Taika, Taika obviously came from um, sort of like around the Bay of Plenty somewhere originally, but then he would have gone to Wellington. And, you know, so I, yeah, I can't imagine that there's, there's a huge amount of cinema that comes out of, um, you know, even people like Jane Campion, went and mm-hmm. studied in Australia. So mm-hmm. you've got a, right. yeah, you've got a pretty small industry and it's in pretty tight, tight little pockets, you know, right. Yeah, Wellington, yeah. Auckland. What's your experience of getting 
into film and, and to the extent that you, you're involved in the industry, how has that worked out, Rowan? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I, I grew up in obviously Dunedin, which is maybe mm-hmm. the fourth largest city in, in the, at the bottom of the country. And, and there's mm-hmm. like a kind of a small film scene down there. And there's people like Duncan Saki's who are the kind of like the well-known people that have stayed around and made a few features. Um, and then I went into film. I did a master's as a director screenwriter in Auckland, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but, but even still at the time, the, the, I mean, the industry is quite small. <laughs> there's a national soap right. opera that's Shortland street. Um, there's like people making short films and the state funding for that. Uh, and you've got these, you know, p- people that pop up throughout the seventies, eighties, nineties that are sort mm-hmm. of making some features that occasionally pop up internationally, but mm-hmm. th- there's not a lot of them. Um, yeah. Uh, is it, is it that, you know, I, I maybe know a little, a little more about the Australian film history, but you know, one of the things that keeps undercutting it, even at its strongest points is Hollywood just steals every, <laughs> every bit of talent that sticks its head up. It gets gets the call gets the bucket of cash and the call from Hollywood and they just decimated Australia yeah. over and over. Has that happened in New Zealand too? I mean, I think so a little bit. I mean, like Jeff yeah. Murphy who did Usu, that I think we might be talking about a little bit. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, made mm-hmm. the first kind of big hit in New Zealand, which was Good by Pork Pie. Mm-hmm. He, he seemed to have got sucked off into Hollywood. Uh, and I think he ended up directing like Young Guns Two or something like that. Oh God, really? Uh, so, <laughs> and like, what I a remember, great yeah. filmmaker! We we definitely have to talk about him. What an important filmmaker that I never heard of, to my shame. Okay, go ahead. Uh, but then it seems that in the present day, there seems to be more. Obviously, Peter Jackson um, mm-hmm. sort of became a national hero because he he started going to Hollywood, but then he managed to pull Hollywood to New Zealand, right? Um, and then, yeah, you've got people like um, Taika and, and, and Jermaine Clement and sort of mm-hmm. Flight of the Concords who have obviously crossed that barrier quite successfully, um, mm-hmm. but are still kind of have one foot on each side of the ditch, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. if you call right. the ditch being the water that separates New Zealand from the rest of the world. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> usually that would be uh, New Zealand, Australia, but let's just make it the entire Pacific Ocean. Or <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie Forgotten Silver? You probably have by P- Peter Jackson, oh, kind yeah. of mockumentary. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I remember how when the... it screened you know, on television. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, yes, it, it caused genius, a huge scandal, right? Because it it wasn't framed as as mock documentary, and some people accepted it as a true history, supposedly of New Zealand uh, <laughs> cinema. That's about like, a guy named what's the name Colin McKenzie, who supposedly is a pioneer on par with D.W. Griffith. That and his all his films have been discovered in a trunk, and so it's it's this hilarious documentary that is if you know anything about film whatsoever, you're watching it and you know it's hilarious and fake. You know his inventions include a bicycle camera, <laughs> just crazy right. stuff. And he's like but stealing people, eggs, stealing, stealing eggs, eggs to make cellulose, <laughs> make some sort of aspect of film emulsion or something. So, but people bought this, and apparently it was. It was a huge scandal and a lot of rage at people who believed that there really was a Colin McKenzie. Really inspired. I think I I watched it on television when it came out. So I was there. I was there with the people that didn't know it was fake. I can't actually remember. I was probably pretty young. I can't Uh remember how well it sucked me in. But, I mean, it was just perfectly um, pitched to New Zealand. New Zealand's cultural identity because we have this sort of strange thing where mm-hmm. uh, like the tall poppy syndrome. So people don't really want to uh, encourage people who want to do something ambitious or do something mm-hmm. crazy, uh, mm-hmm. especially, you know, internationally or whatever. Um, but then as soon as, as you 
think we have a national hero or a national <laughs> innovator, uh, everybody's all over them. Um, <laughs> right. So, uh, yes, yeah. my favorite story, it came from John Dolan, actually, because he was, I think he was there at the time. I think, at least he knew about it. Um, and he's, he claimed that there were professors who went into their classrooms the next day and and claimed to, and of course were eagerly mobbed by students saying, so what about Paul Colin McKenzie? And they would claim, yes, of course I heard of him. Wow. <laughs> so, and go on, that if supposedly the hoax was, was that successful, that, that even film professors nervously were trying to claim they knew all about it. Wait, but I can't believe so, like, t- t- like New Zealand television allowed Peter Jack to sort of, they were on the prank, like they, they knew what they were doing. I don't think it was an intentional prank. It's no, my understanding. No, it was. It was. It no, was. they really, they knew what oh, they, they were doing. Oh, they knew it I was, mean, and, they, and they deliberately. I think it ran, it ran with like a review and the listener. Oh. Uh, like, so there was this, it's almost like the TV guide, but much more, um, a much more sort of tweety version of the TV guide. Um, and so I think I think the listener kind of prepped the ground a little bit, and then it ran on TV with absolutely no indication with that no it was inter- satire. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think one of the producers on it was also, you know, he was a well-established TV figure. Um, uh-huh. So no, they all knew what they were doing. And, oh, okay. <laughs> like, so it was. <laughs> well, I understand the anger a little bit better. <laughs> you should watch it. I meant to say, you know, try to try to see Forgotten Silver. It's really hilarious, and it's and it's just a gorgeous. You know, one of the uh, one of the impetuses behind it apparently was Peter Jackson saying, you know, we've got the technology to fake damaged silent film now so beautifully that let's re- recreate. You know, horror. You know, silent film found in a trunk, damage, and they do it so perfectly, beautifully. It's really quite haunting in that way. Mm-hmm. But it's a just a it's a great mock um, history <laughs> of a history that kind of isn't. Um, even though it's amazing if you try to read up a little on New Zealand history, there's a kind of defensiveness often that comes out. It's it's you know we have a very strong history that goes back you know to the dawn of cinema kind of thing, and then begins the thin <laughs> the discussion of the thin little trickle of films that come out. You know? <laughs> so at any rate, we, we wanted to, we did want to concentrate on a on a on a couple of things anyway that we had chosen to talk about in, in New Zealand cinema. Um, and one was um, the wonderful, you know, kind of New Zealand Gothic um, strand of filmmaking. I think we kind of concentrated on that mostly. Um, um, and and I, it led me, I kept going down rabbit holes in my, in, in trying to research New Zealand cinema. And one of them was Sam, the actor, Sam Neill, who did a who did famous a, actor, right? From yeah, New Zealand, probably. Or, or one of them anyway, who did a documentary called cinema of unease. And he basically take, goes back to his home in, in New Zealand to track, you know, like what what about the culture gives rise to these 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 films that he argues are all about the remoteness, um, the kind of lone individual trapped in the landscape, the disturbed families, etc. So he seems to be talking about New Zealand Gothic without really naming it that way. Yeah, but before we plunge into it, I just want to say something because as an outsider who like at this point now hears about New Zealand as this. Again, mostly, I guess, from Americans or I guess Russians believe that, too. Is this, again, like pristine, faraway place with no global, I mean, or less global warming and uh, industries and like, I don't know, perfect weather and this animals and sheep and pastures and all that. But it seems like if you're sort of looking at the, as you say, gothic and just generally movies that come out of New Zealand, Mm -hmm. they never like New Zealanders themselves never actually see their place that way. I mean, not necessarily as dark. They see it not necessarily as dark as Catherine Dolan described, but it's never as 
<laughs> as like happily pristine. So it's such a kind of interesting, weird stereotype. That I don't know how it like happened, but it seems to be completely inaccurate, right? From the inside well, perspective. Yeah, I mean, you get a you get a bit of everything. I think it's sort of um, those the New Zealand Gothic films are definitely the the very inward looking kind of. Uh, this sort of introspection on what's uniquely New Zealand, which does usually mean isolation um, mm-hmm. and uh, this sort of brooding landscape, the sort of brooding post-colonial landscape that's been mm-hmm. butchered usually, you know, kind of clear mm-hmm. cut of trees or farm life, um, but quite remote, isolated farm life. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely also strains of New Zealand cinema that are more nostalgic. Uh, you know, they're about beach life and uh stuff like that like i think there's one called end of the golden weather uh which is kind of like looking back on a a child growing up in the 70s Mm -hmm. um and you know obviously then the modern the modern cinema of peter jackson which is kind of like the cg version of the new zealand landscape uh (laughs) which is you know what you kind of recognize as the stereotype i mean it it has all of those things you know it's a small country and it's very easy to traverse those those different terrains um it can be very idyllic and very beautiful and uh, untouched. And then, you know, a lot, obviously large swaths of the land have been, uh, clear cut for agriculture. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's sort of a lot of problems now with water pollution, uh, cause mm-hmm. we're trying to do this in industrial industrialized farming model in, in a country that's not, you know, I mean, I'm obviously familiar with California's, uh, agriculture from the film we're making with, um, again, his husband, um, Yasha, uh, mm-hmm. where you just have a giant flat desert basin, you know, with uh, with canals, <laughs> you know, bringing water around. But New Zealand's not like that at all. It's incredibly hilly. Um, it's ne- it's rarely flat. Uh, there's not many plains, especially in the central North Island. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Peter Jackson has cast such a huge. I don't want to chase shadow. That seems <laughs> that seems mean, but he he's such a looming figure that I think most people are now through Lord of the Rings. That's that just goes on being what people know. And that kind of, oh my God, the landscape seems like the overwhelming thing people now know. Like it's the greatest lands and most overawing landscape in the world. And and part of me can't help but agree, like whether you're dealing with it in Gothic terms, distur- some sort of disturbed terms about, you know, what's happening to the landscape or just the kind of tourist driving, tourism driving um, image. How do you not deal with the landscape? And, you know, another tiresome documentary I was watching was was very bitter about that. Like everyone harps on this landscape as if there weren't cities, as if there weren't towns. And I'm like, yeah, but this is unignorable landscape. I mean, all the shots of it are so are so many of them are just so amazing. I mean, even tree roots in that get shown often in, in New Zealand Gothic are so tangled, so intense. The you know the looming cliff faces that it's so overwhelming that to try to suggest it's just any other landscape and we should deal with these other affects seems a little seems a little odd to me. But well, maybe exactly. It's it, it, sort of like you, you don't go to New Zealand for the cities. You know, it's sort of like <laughs> right, uh, right. be the. Um, and that's not that they're not nice places, some of them, and you know, or interesting or whatever, but they can't. How could they? Right? Yeah, how could they, they compete with yeah. that? That that incredible. Um, exactly. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of like, you know, great cities of, you know, there's places where the cities are really compelling if you're going to visit, but New Zealand, no, you're going to go straight out on the road and you're going to drive around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so even I guess just looking at cinema as a way, like what can you kind of sell to the world as well? It just right. definitely right. the sort of modern modern version of it. Uh, yeah, but yeah, well, you know, I, I guess more recently people have started to make um, 
stuff out of urban New Zealand mm. life. Uh, but then it, it is often going to um, maybe be uh, coming out of Pacific Island culture or mm. uh, Maori culture. There was a cartoon mm-hmm. called Bro Town, uh, which was, I think, quite successful and, and pretty mm-hmm. good, uh, which was, um, yeah, I don't know, like uh, Avondale, you know, so part of um, the sort of Auckland suburban in an urban suburb, sprawl that was a little bit more of like mm-hmm. a, a Maori neighborhood or a Pacific Island na- neighborhood. But, uh, but well, but correct me if I'm wrong. My my impression, and I've only seen a you know a smattering of of films, is that when you deal with the cities and the towns, it's almost even if you never show the landscape, it's almost as if you're suggesting, well, you know, what a come down from it somehow. Like mm. if it's you know what we do in the shadows, the hilarious um, Taika Waititi and um, Jeremy Clemens film, it's you know the the hilarity of, of these vampires going out on the town <laughs> and these bars that are really dull and it's Wellington and it's it's all oh, yeah. about how <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's such a nothing actually, city. I, yeah. <laughs> so I, that there's so, no landscaping, but the suggestion it's almost mm. like it hovers in the background of the consciousness of how wow wow this is so nothing and you certainly see that in um heavenly creatures where you know all the uh, the amazing leap into the imaginative fourth world of the of the two teenage girl murderers um um who are at the center they they go out into the landscape and then wonders happen out of christchurch where christchurch nothing wonderful can happen kind of thing (laughs) um yeah, well, when we first talked about doing this episode, I thought you guys really wanted to focus on on Taika and uh, what we do in the shadows. So I, I rewatched that and I watched some of the American um, TV series as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen any of that. I have. Which is one of those um, interesting cases where you've kind of got uh, the, you know, the Americanized version of The Office yeah. or uh, <laughs> In the Cut, you know, Beep. Um, and it's not to say that the Americanized version is, is bad, but it is, you know, the, the film is so, you're right, it's so Wellington. You know, like yes. Going out to a bar. <laughs> and, and I forget this too, because I've been living in Brooklyn or whatever. Uh-huh. And there's never a point where you, if, you, if you want to go and find something happening that's not you out could there. Always. But right. that is the case in Wellington. You can <laughs> walk around all the good bars, you know, maybe on a Thursday night or a Tuesday night. And uh-huh. it's just like, no, there's nobody out there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's right. dead. And you're left struggling for things to do. Well, uh, and I, I literally suggested that simply because they're, they're, you know, they're so successful. They're so well known. Um, you know, Taika Waititi is just this huge success. Um, Jojo Rabbit, which I still haven't seen to my shame. I don't know why I can't get myself to see it, but I will. It's not. It's barely watchable. Yeah, I really uh, I just can't keep fighting it. But I'm a huge, huge fan of what we do in the shadows. And I just think yeah, I mean, it's just it's that's a that's a really brilliant, <laughs> brilliant take. Which it sounds banal when you say it's you know it's going to be vampires in contemporary life. You know, who are living in a flatting situation as they keep saying, i.e., with flatmates. And but but somehow it's it's such a wonderful sideways take on on a culture that I don't know well, but I feel like I get an intense sense of just watching um, just watching that movie. So yeah, so again, that's just my general sense that even when you seem to be getting off the topic of the landscape, it somehow haunts the narrative because there is this grandeur that, but it's not it's never going to be in the cities and the towns and it's never going to be you know, that's what marks the culture. There's no Paris in New Zealand. It's almost it's almost as if there couldn't be because the landscape takes everything. But that's just me, you know, emoting no, from yeah. a great distance. I, 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 <laughs> I think you're right. And if people are trying to introspect on the New Zealand identity, um, mm. 
it does usually come back to isolation. Uh, yeah. You know, I think, and you see the the Sam Neill film, you know, about this old cinema. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the obvious thing to muse on. And then and then if you want to do that, just going out into the middle of nowhere in New Zealand, I think, is a good way good way to make it work. Right. Yeah, but like, let's say what they do in the shadows. I mean, the original New Zealand film. Mm-hmm. It's sort of. It, I think you told me that, Ron, or not. It's not just about isolation or some, like, uh, I don't know, weird, funny New Zealand New Zealanders, but it's about kind of New Zealand culture being sort of, I guess, unfriendly or some, semi-hostile to the other, like to the sort of, yeah, the, the, the foreign uh, element or something of that kind. Is it? I, it's, I don't know if I'd say that. Well, maybe. I mean, um, I, I think the, the thing about... Um, like Taika Waititi and, and the Flight of the Concords, it's they're kind of in this new era of cinema where um, they're definitely not purely introspecting on um, on like New Zealand, especially on the sort of cliched like rural farming kind of mm-hmm. sense. Um, they're almost marketing or they're taking New Zealandness, and uh, it's a funny thing that the world enjoys. You know, they're somehow, I, I mean, Flight of the Concords is a perfect example. I mean, they, they couldn't really get it made in New Zealand. Uh, for some reason, didn't get picked up, uh, despite them having a pretty good comedy act on on the guitar, mm-hmm. you know, sort of song comedy. Uh, and then HBO picked it up, but but it just works so well being these kind of dopey New Zealand guys right. in <laughs> Brooklyn trying to make it, you know, with that kind of uh, half cocked, you know, like you know, uh, New Zealand government representative trying to help them help their careers, and uh-huh. all that stuff is real, you know, but but it also. <laughs> Just putting New Zealanders in, in American culture and having Americans think we're funny, uh, you know, and I, I don't know if that's what they're thinking when they, they made what we do in the shadows, uh, because it is also just so obviously Taika or someone if they were living in flats and mm-hmm. they're like, hey, what if we're all vampires? You know, <laughs> right, like, right. And just <laughs> almost a literal uh, transcription of flatting life, but they're vampires. Uh, <laughs> and one of my favorite and, parts yeah. is Stu. Stu is just an ordinary, what, some sort yeah. of computer analyst, <laughs> analyst yeah, that for right. some reason all the vampires love and decide they yeah. love him and they'll never kill him. And it keeps spreading the love for Stu. It spreads to the werewolf community. And he's the most, they just make him the most soft-spoken kind of boring <laughs> nothing dweeb but this 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 love for him somehow makes a kind of sense and i don't know quite how to read it i feel like i don't know enough about new zealand culture but there's something about the the utter insane reticence of him he hardly he hardly speaks <laughs> and he certainly hardly speaks above almost a whisper he's so quiet and you know he just sits still he does almost nothing and yet everyone loves him so this weird quality of of, of an outpouring affection of affection toward these very very quiet perhaps dull reticent people is that commentary that i should know about i don't know <sighs> Uh, well, I mean, we're not famous for being extroverted in New Zealanders. Uh, <laughs> That's what John so, Nolan used to say. He said, I'm yeah. the most extroverted person here, and he's not an extrovert. And he called them the mushroom people. He was talking about <laughs> academia, admittedly, which is adds a layer of social awkwardness anywhere you are. <laughs> yes. Um, but, I mean, he's also a very Wellington character because it's kind of – that's where the, the government is. So you've got a lot of uh-huh. – um, you know, a lot of people that work for, you know, in this sort of bureaucratic, whatever, you know, the halls of government and you know, <laughs> IT consultants you right. know, meeting the needs of the government. Uh, and yeah, it's not a titillating. Yeah. 
okay, where do we want to go from here? Do we want to plunge into? The, I'm kind. Of, I'm so eager to talk about the gothic thing that, but if I don't want to jump into it if we're not ready. Evgenia, was there another no, let's topic? Let's do the gothic. I'm a bit brain dead because um, trying to run from the heat wave here and oh, the more no. like is Saturday, you know, where it's like far away from water and stuff. We uh-huh. went to Venice Beach for a few days, but then I like sunburned so horribly, so I basically I barely can sit. I have oh, to no. end <laughs> on oh, my no. side lying mm. down. So anyway, <laughs> and it gets into your head when you're so sunburned. So, oh, yes, I know the feeling. That's terrible. So I'm, like, <laughs> I'm a bit like fried almost. Right. Uh, <laughs> Literally, yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, let's definitely talk about the gothic. I, I know so little about it because, yeah. again, my introduction to New Zealand, the fascination obviously started with Peter Jackson and like bad taste. And I always thought that's, whoa, this like, these are the people who can make some kind of like amazing uh, special effects mm-hmm. with, uh, with their hands or something, which is not like some shitty CGI. But then he turned to CGI as well. So I kind of stopped liking him after that. But but again, Peter Jackson is not gothic, really, right? Yeah, I don't know if you'd fit in easily into the New Zealand gothic canon, mm-hmm. apart from Heavenly Creatures, you know, which mm-hmm. you mentioned, you know, you could maybe try mm-hmm. to... Um, I mean, yeah, I've got to say it, it is like, to me, I, I, I'm interested to see what you say about it, I think, because I guess you obviously have some things lined up. Um, but it, it is kind of a... Mm-hmm in a way an easy canon to get your head around but also like a hard one to really um find the perfect film i mean i was like Mm -hmm. well there's like vigil i Mm -hmm. mean there's definitely a series of films that are shot out in isolated landscapes Mm -hmm. um they tend to be dark they tend to be natural light you Mm -hmm. know but a lot of shadow and uh so and then there's also a huge tradition in art like painting um Mm -hmm. the people that do these kind of weird um you know yeah things that cross over with gothic um Mm -hmm. Gothic art traditions, uh, but then are distinctly New Zealand, you know, like Bill Hammond's, there's a painter that makes these great kind of bird things, these weird birds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it's a gr- it's a great variation on a, it's you know it's so tough to talk even talk about the gothic it's even hard to define the <laughs> define the gothic and there's so many different permutations and different nations that got involved etc that it was so thrilling to me I didn't I didn't really know that the, there was this genre of New Zealand gothic and it's you're right it's 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 fabulous in that it makes it does the you know the most obvious thing gothic does is it, it's atmospheric horror rather than a kind of more literal, you know, a monster bursts out at you kind of horror and you're trying to locate the source of the tension and the danger and there can often be kind of uncanny qualities in the sense that something long repressed is, is returning. Um, but mm-hmm. it's very hard to define or, or get your head around. And, you know, I watched Vigil and that seems absolutely gothic all the way up and down um, in that it's well, it's both a coming of age story set on a girl and, you know, there's the, the quote unquote female gothic. That's very typical, though. She's younger. She's a real child. Um, but she's younger than usual. But that's pretty typical, too, of the gothic. It's how a a young woman in the female gothic, you know, discovers a world of danger after a period of, of at least seeming protected and sheltered. And now she's got to negotiate a world of horrors that she isn't equipped. Usually, you know, if it was a Victorian version, it's because no one tells her anything and she doesn't know anything. <laughs> but in this case, it's partly, you know, it's about this little girl whose father dies in violent and mysterious circumstances. And he's no sooner dead than a kind of menacing young man who might be involved in the death, might not, not is present anyway and brings the body home, shows up on the farm and seems to be kind of moving into some sort of disturbingly sexualized role in relationship to the mother as well as to the widow, as well as to the daughter. 
Um, um, but yeah, the, the atmospherics are so intense and the, and you're constantly trying to read the signs off the amazing landscape, the very dark, twisted, knotty landscape that's literally what falling in on itself, right? The hills are literally collapsing around this farm is one of the conceits. Um, so there's all these bizarre things that keep happening in nature and in the crazy contraptions, the, the maybe crazy, the maybe insane grandfather is building that you're with the, the little girl trying to just understand what the source of like darkness and menace is. So that seems absolutely gothic in a, in a, in a kind of, you could hold that one up as your central one, I think. Yeah, that's definitely the one. And we should also say a, sp- a spoiler alert. It's what, much too late. But um, oh, sorry, I totally uh, spoiled that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, everyone. Uh, I can cut it out, I guess. But yeah, that this was... is very, um, very Ka- Catherine Dolan actually. And like, you don't realize the little girl is a girl for quite a long time. Uh, right, that's true. She seems like yeah, she's a little running boy. around with them. Um, uh-huh. uh, you know, a, a kind of a balaclava on, or like mm-hmm. strange, and could just be a. A boy, I think maybe he has mm-hmm. short hair. Um, That's right. At the beginning, you're not maybe sure. Maybe 45 or an, an hour, you know, 60 minutes into the movie, uh, that you see her being bathed by a mother and maybe given some like rudimentary ballet lessons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, one of the things in Catherine's uh, article about New Zealand is, mm-hmm. is especially rural cultures have this weird thing with, with women where they're sort of not really feminized or uh there isn't really a place for uh some like traditional uh, high femme in that world but then at the same time when the high femme arrives people go nuts about it you know so i think from the catherine's frustrations you know Mm -hmm. just that uh you grow up on the farm and and as a girl or around those communities you're expected just to be one of the boys or do whatever Mm -hmm. fix the fence and chase the sheep and uh, uh but the Catherine's argument is kind of funny to me because it seems like in the Western kind of narrative, frequently you don't, you call it not misogyny as she mm-hmm. referred to it, but actually the opposite. It's almost like feminist. Oh, you don't need to be feminine at all. Like be like a boy or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's like the fact that it's kind of part of misog- like misogyny as she writes about it to me is like a bit confusing because usually it's sold to you as a, actually the opposite of it, you know? And misogyny is the overly feminizing the the, the woman. Well, yeah, it does get complicated, isn't it? Cause it's like, <laughs> anyway. is, it, is it unfeminist that women can't do what the boys do, or is it unfeminist for women to just be dumped into the male role and not have a choice to have sort of something that's not, you know, that's the agenda? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's confusing. Not that I have an answer, but it's just definitely not like a, a very clear cut kind of, I think, thing. But um, mm-hmm. that's at least my impression of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I um, In terms of vigil, yeah, I, I think it is the obvious go to for um, mm-hmm. New Zealand Gothic. Uh, I always have a bit of a weird thing around uh, Vincent Lloyd because, uh, you know, he's an interesting filmmaker, but he, he's always a little bit flawed as well in some strange way. I, I mean, I. I, I don't like Vigil when it drifts into this, you know, these contraptions that the grandfather's making. It sort of becomes whimsical uh, in a way that doesn't quite sit so well with this sort of nice brooding, um, I don't know, just sort of that clean isolation and, and threat. Uh, and then suddenly you've got this kind of quirky stuff. And it's not to say that those characters aren't also New Zealand characters, but mm-hmm. um, that, that doesn't sit so well with me. And then, obviously Vincent Ward often does drift into sentimentality. You know, he's sort of, he's mm-hmm. not one of those filmmakers that's crossed, um, crossed the borders and, you know, he made a film with Robin Williams, um, you know, about a man whose wife dies and he comes to life. Oh yeah. What's the name of that? What dreams painting. make 
what dreams yeah, well, may what come. Dreams may come. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you yeah. know, quite visually stunning, but also, you know, definitely quite sentimental, sentimentalized. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he, he, he's definitely one of those people that when you kind of get around the industry, you also hear stories about, you know, stories where people are, mm-hmm either slightly in awe of him or slightly frustrated with him uh, and mm. generally both. I mean, uh, <laughs> I think um, <laughs> when I was working in the film industry, mm. he was shooting river queen, which is uh, a, a deeply flawed film, unfortunately um, about really interesting subject matter. Uh, so it's, um, but the production also was, was completely traumatized. I mean, so river queen is, has sent Samantha Morton in it. Uh, mm-hmm. And she sort of lost her son. He's gone off to fight in a war or something. Mm-hmm. So there's all this great stuff of a backdrop of um, Maori wars, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which when you look at Utu, you realize what great cinema it can make. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, you're stuck with Samantha, Samantha Morton, um, like sort of drifting around on a um, <laughs> boat in, a, in a, a pristine looking lake, you know, writing a letter to her imaginary son. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if I could know, just say, I, yeah. Vincent Ward really seems to like the significance that he telegraphs hugely. So that is hard to to sit through. He really wants to make sure you get that it's meaningful, and he's underscoring <laughs> the meaningful really hard. But anyway, carry on. Sorry, Ron. Um, but yeah, so the, the production film um, was and, uh, and said to be even cursed, like officially cursed by one of the local tribes. Oh, uh, they didn't seek the blessing of. Um, uh-huh. But and it just plagued in so many ways. I mean, Samantha Morton was sick. I think they had to delay filming for a year. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't do certain things around like filming in certain areas with the gangs. Uh, so houses were robbed uh, and equipment was stolen uh, where the crew was staying. Uh, and, and then, of course, I think Vincent Ward is always trying to get the light in the perfect spot. You know, yes, this is that's a right. He's super it. arty. <laughs> We've got to move the production across to that, that spot of light across the river. By the time we get there, it's going to be gone, you know? And I, mean, I actually respect that kind of mania. I, I like it. Uh, but, you know, yeah. Well, I can like it, but I don't like it when again you, you have so much time to like the ending of Vigil. There's a there's a there is there's like the shooting of the what happens with the girl as she you see she's kind of gone through the arc of coming of age and comes out an independent and strong young woman. And her you know she's now wearing this 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 more intense color, this maroon color that relates back to a childhood kind of the the, the hat, the hood she was wearing when she was a child with her father, but now it's much more intense and strong. And it's all the lighting and the color choice, and it's so so chosen that, and you have such a long time to drink it in. It's a very very long held shot that it's if some a lot of people love that. That's exactly what they love because someone has told them hugely significant, formally careful, and and everyone can relax and say, ah, thank God it's art. So that all depends on taste. I I personally have a hard time with it. Um, Yeah, but anyway. So did you? What? what, 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 How are you working? when you were working in the film industry, what kind of roles were you playing? What kind? Um, well, I mean, I, obviously I went through film school there and, and you, you shoot some things and you, mm-hmm. you rent gear and, and that sort of thing. And, and then I worked for a commercials production company for maybe two to three years. Um, mm-hmm. It was mostly shooting, I guess, high end commercials. Um, and, uh, but they also did quite a few music videos mm-hmm. and um, a couple of features. Uh, mm-hmm. So, what does you high know, commercial mean? You know, I mean, like well, fancy you know, big cars? budget stuff. You know, they're not doing um, 
they're not doing the uh i don't know the corny the, the soap detergent or whatever they're sort of trying to do moody drama <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, does the small size of the industry do you think help you or or hurt you i mean i you had didn't new zealand have a very active film commission that was one of the reasons it started doing really doing stuff in the 70s is that is that is there that kind of infrastructure to help you at every turn or no yeah of course um yeah i mean there's there's always been the funding i I guess and you're right it kind of kicked things off in the 70s um so there's always that avenue to go down Mm -hmm. um and you know like i think any kind of state process for creative arts it's not not a you know 100 percent hit rate <laughs> you know, there's like, right. uh, there's, everybody's got their story about the great film that was not funded by the film commission that then they somehow find found a way to make and it went on to win awards um, uh, yeah and there's obviously a number of films that get made that sort of get quietly swept under the carpet um right and then you know occasionally they will support uh good stuff um and it, it, it's gone through that same process as well where they initially wanted to get New Zealand identity on the big screen, you know, so mm-hmm. there was this kind of requirement that you'd be doing a distinctly New Zealand story, which mm-hmm. I think ties a lot of people into strange knots, especially when they are like urban Auckland dwellers. Right. <laughs> you know, they like, just oh, want to make a damn movie without having to take on, yeah, yeah, yeah New exactly. Zealand history so or something. These, yeah. um, white dudes from Auckland that are trying to make, you know, films about Maori culture or like uh, something mm. like that. And, uh, doesn't, <laughs> that's what, get, that's well, what gets yeah. financed, basically. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sort of <laughs> the Maori. A little bit. A little bit. Uh-huh. Is there a censorship of some kind that's like probably not like, Oh, I mean, not official, but people know that this stuff can go through because of, I don't know, certain themes. Well, I, I, you never know with these things as well, like how much it's people's perception that they want certain things. Um, I mean, I think the reality is that they're not, they're, there's, you know, there's not that many really great scripts out there. You know, it's just, <laughs> like if something is a really great God script, they tend to sleep off the page. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone is a really good talent, mm-hmm. they tend to manage to make a decent film. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe their kind of middling script will get made. Um, so I, 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 when I've talked to people that work in those places, they often say that like, look, if we have a great script that comes in and it's not to do with, you know, New Zealand that, you know, they, they want to fund it. Um, but it just doesn't happen that often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this is a great script. They're, they're more like trying to find good scripts and, and develop them. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's changing a little bit, mm-hmm. but, um, and now they're, 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 they're trying to orient around, um, uh, you know, maybe more like marketable talent. So people that will, uh, be, you know, directors that will succeed internationally. I guess they're looking at mm. Taika Waititi and Peter Jackson mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, there's like Netflix content getting produced in New Zealand, mm-hmm. you know, so it's actually just, I think much more focused on probably the idea of building an industry mm-hmm. with the sort of money that comes with it, uh, than it is about trying to like do New Zealand identity. Um, mm-hmm. although I'm sure there'll still be a little bit of that. Right. But let's right. say Utu, right. Cause that's very much about the kind of the internal New Zealand, the sort of Maori mm-hmm. massacre, sort of gothic right film that uh, that one i watched fully as you recommended and um that seems like it's fully made by white new zealanders or pokehi oh god what's the more word for that it's actually used a lot in the film something like pakeha, pakeha. Oh, yeah. yeah yeah so that's, and it feels like interesting so i thought like the white new zealanders kind of 
love this kind of self-lashing bad white person because it, it's it's clearly made by them the only maoris in the film they're the actors it's not written by anyone maori not produced so what what's what kind of what's udu is about in terms of like the you know the thought behind it yeah well that's an interesting one i mean um yeah, it's obviously it's Jeff Murphy who was a goodbye pork pie guy uh, and Young Guns too, uh, literally. <laughs> um, but like, obviously, you know, a talented filmmaker. So um, good. And, so good. Uh, yeah, and so I don't, I don't know. Like, there must have been. I'd, I'd say some involvement of, of Maori in it, or you know, there, there's obviously a little bit of reverence and sort of, um, you know, you could probably tread towards sort of noble savage sort of stuff, but. <laughs> Oh, come on, it's so uh, well, angry. Yeah. It's so angry and it's so sophisticated but, yeah. about the whole colonial situation. I mean, my exactly, God, I was yeah. so happy. I was hugging myself throughout. It avoids all sorts of simplistic bullshit. Oh, my God. And that lead guy. Yeah, good, and yeah. I, I had memorized his yeah. name and I've already, God damn it, I forgot it already. He has a really cool name. Tefeki. Tefeki. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the thing about it is it's like a very sophisticated film in a number of ways. Like, obviously, they're – um they're referencing the Western, but then they're, they're messing with it on all sorts of levels and that uh, you're on um, both sides at, at different times, but uh, the sort of the lone hero that goes rogue is, mm-hmm. is obviously the, the Maori um, uh, who defects from the, 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 the troops. Right, uh, from, they, the, they play from the local troops, troops, though, and it's important, yeah. the local, like, already settled in New Zealand white troops versus the British colonial, who are the ultimate evil, who are going to co- wind up coming in. I knew nothing about the New Zealand Wars. This is madness. I read all up on them. And I'm like, shit, how do I not know? 30 years of warfare. Why That's is the right, war? Yeah. Has the war already tackled this? the treaty this? was signed. Yeah. Yeah. We got to ask think the he has it. They just did Australia. Yeah, uh, we got to ask yeah, them. Um, it'd be great to get. I'd love to hear a New Zealand Wars um, segment. Because, yeah, it's kind of reading up on it as well, just having rewatched E2 again recently. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it, well, it's obviously an amazing time of guerrilla warfare. Um mm-hmm that just went all over the central North Island, uh, you know, predominantly. Um, mm-hmm. and it wasn't huge numbers of people either. It was at that stage. It was, I know, I think it was most like 14,000 or 15,000 sort of mm-hmm. British troops. And, uh, you know, there's a few thousand casualties on both sides. Right. Maybe, uh, you know, however well those accounted. Um, yeah, I think I read it was like it was, a couple yeah. of thousand total of, of Maori were killed. Because their guerrilla warfare techniques were, were keeping casualties so so low. I don't know if that's right. I really didn't read that much. But it seemed remarkably low considering how long it went on. Yeah. Well, I think there was a period of before that um, of much more vicious much fighting more. Okay. Uh, in the lead up to the treaty uh, being signed. Um, and, and a lot of that was probably partly the, the British giving uh, the Maori tribes guns mm-hmm. and uh, guns finding their way into the intertribal warfare there. Mm-hmm. Um, Which they train and, in the movie, uh, right? They're talking about like the different levels of gun guns that are becoming available and and the impact it's going to have in one scene. The, 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 the white, what do they call them? They call them colonials, I guess. The ones who are already settled in New mm-hmm. Zealand. The British contemptuously you know, refer to them that way, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, uh, there's a scene where they're looking, they're, they're examining a rifle and just saying this is going to make this huge difference. Yeah, well, uh, again, I, I don't know the stuff in depth, but mm-hmm. I, from a Wikipedia level, kind of scan it. The the the, the wars leading up to the treaty, uh, the musket wars mm-hmm. were, were much higher, like twenty thousand, forty thousand people oh. dying. Um, and I'd say mostly among the Maori. Uh, and I don't know how much of that is, you know, 
British troops or like um, in fighting. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, huge, huge, hugely bloody um, right. time. And then this is kind of like after it's supposed to have been officially settled down, but there's obviously still a lot of disputes. And mm-hmm. The British kind of coming in and just trying to take land that they're right. probably not entitled to or uh, rushing land claims um, mm-hmm. and then and then people fighting back. Um, and, and very effectively, like I think the guy that Utu's based on it, you know, theoretically uh, mm-hmm. drove like all the settlers out of a region for a period of time where they were evacuated mm-hmm. uh, out of quite a large region. Um, so, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, but, and, and, and putting the, the, the already, you know, the already in New Zealand, the New Zealanders settled white settlers in between the British on the one hand and, the, and the Maori on the other. And they've got these, these characters of these, these two, these two settler figures on a farm, on a remote farm, of course. And of course, all the lighting is super, super, super gothic, super, super black infused. Um, look at the landscape. And, and they actually spend time with this couple and you find yourself not hating them. They're kind of hilariously, you know, feckless and they kind of fond of each other, but bicker amongst themselves. And then there's going to be this, this massive attack. So this kind of avoiding the simplistic of, you know, all you know, everyone white's gonna be bad. We're gonna be on the side of the Maori in this movie. There's 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 not that kind of I don't know timid side taking. It's like you're all you're all over the map. And there's a wonderful like refrain that occurs in the first I don't know half hour or so, where people keep encountering other people and saying, "But I thought we were friends," or "But they're friends." You know who who's on whose side? Is this constant constant shifting, and you don't know how how cynical. It's being delivered. How cynically the, the lines being delivered, and it just it immerses you in in a world of, of complexity from the very beginning in a way that I, I really admired. It was it was beautifully done, beautifully done. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting kind of conceits in, in the film, and, and one of them is that uh, Utu uh, it, it translates roughly to revenge. Uh, ah, so I, I know you're a fan of love revenge it. films. It was like um, made for me this movie. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> And if you watch it through to the end, that's essentially the conclusion. I'm exactly halfway. Um, oh, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about these colliding um, revenge narratives, basically. Uh, Perfect. And, um, yeah. The idea of, you know, will that ever resolve or, uh, you know, and it, well, yeah, I, maybe I won't spoil <laughs> Can I just say that the vicar's head winds up hacked off with a hatchet and put on top of his little, his little, what do you call it? Podium altar, whatever it is. I mean, you want it so bad. You're watching this mad oh, God, Britisher yeah. I mean, holder yeah. who's holding forth about mm. God and who, those who take up the sword will, you know, live by it, die by it. And you're like, oh, he better die by it. That's all I know. And then he does. It's a beautiful moment moment beautiful yeah the, the intro of the film is this uh, oh. sorry uh, the last thing i'll say is so strong i mean firstly you've got this incredible score that sounds like it could be morricone it's definitely probably mm. morricone inspired mm. but then as, as you see the village massacre there's oh. a traditional maori song like a, a wire oh, yes. uh, mixed in with that uh which is fantastic and then and then yeah that scene where he emerges as uh now a rebel having defected um and and faces down the priest in the church, oh. uh, and they, they do a high noon standoff down, oh. <laughs> down the aisle, uh, <laughs> and he throws him a gun. Oh my god! <laughs> and uh, and then he pulls out a, a club, yes. basically, or a, or a small battle axe or something. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's uh, it's, it's great. It's, <laughs> it's it's really top top cinema. Anyone who hasn't seen it or even heard of it, probably I hadn't. You really must. You really must. Wow. Well, it's not on anything as well. This is, yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry, YouTube. Yeah. You kind of have to go to YouTube, yeah. But I couldn't tell fully if um, 
uh, it was meant for the main actor to sort of overplay and almost go into like the farce. Like it's it's almost comedic at some times. And I thought, oh, is he either he's really bad or that's intentional? But then I I guess I doubt it's intentional. So I, I what's I mean, the was, overplaying part? What does he do? I thought, oh. I thought he was being so restrained. <laughs> you mean the, the tongue thing, which is the warrior thing that he does? Or what? Pretty much all close-up scenes with him when he actually <laughs> needs to dial in sort of like emotion of anger and all this, like even even mm-hmm. after, right after he gets all this, I mean, not too much spoilers because it's early on, all those like special scar tattoos of a sort of like... I don't know what is it like mint warrior. I mean it's hard. Like right, it's, it's I guess it's subjective since I Eileen does have uh, this. No, I'm with him one thousand percent, which isn't even mathematically possible. <laughs> to me, it's almost moved into like oh, Mel uh, Mel Brooks kind of territory. Oh, when no, he does. No. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Not that I, I mean I'm with the movie. I love the movie. Yes, there's a complexity, but when it is close up on him and he kind of bulges his eyes and he's really really angry and really really crazy and it's just whoa i'm like this is funny i'm pretty sure that is i mean at least early on he's doing isn't he doing maori warrior expressions which are include bulging eyes sticking out of the tongue and there's ceremonial things that they do and then they take it into warfare that's my understanding anyway um yeah i think a lot of that sort of facial stuff yeah definitely comes from um and I, I, I mean, I like, I don't want to ascribe too much. <laughs> I didn't really know, but I, I think this is quite part of Maori culture. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it is. It was an oral, oral culture. Um, you know, they are kind of characters and funny. <laughs> they've got, they've got that flair at times. Um, and I, I think also a lot of the people that became guerrilla leaders mm-hmm. uh, were like charismatic um, oddballs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to some extent. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it might have been intentional. So I, actually, I'm not. I'm not like hundred percent. I mean, at least sure in the. So. You've, I'm sorry. So sorry. I didn't finish. I can't believe I ran off. I was watching Angel at my table, which goes on like 80, 18 hours, which is what threw me off. But, oh, yeah. but, yeah. Um, but yeah, that 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 early anyway. He's clearly doing it. He he he. You know, he makes he's making the faces in imitation of you know if people see the haka and stuff. They know it from that, right? So I don't know if he carries it through in the end, but that seemed like that was the input recovering his warrior self after having served in the colonial army. I, that was what I assumed anyway. But we'll see. Maybe you're right. I'll have to watch it till the end. I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, it was very like I have never heard of the film. Like that, I thought it was very educational, and I like the sort of the style, not overly produced stuff. That's yeah, it's beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I remember seeing something with Jeff Murphy, a funny quote that kind of stuck with me, which is a very New Zealand cinema mm-hmm. filmmaker quote, which is that um, setting up a, a film shoot is, is like um, filming a rugby game. Basically, <laughs> you get the action, you work out where the people are going to move around and, and then you just put the cameras in. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Oh, God, I love him for that. So I've got to watch his other stuff. I, I can't, I'm ashamed I've never heard of him because he's so good. He just has that. He has that kind of quietly confident shooting style, which is my favorite. He doesn't constantly need to underscore in this kind of dumb way that we now take as artistic. That drives me mad. Um, he can let it run with knowing 
kind of knowing you're going to get it. He's really, he's really, he's really a very fine director. I hope he had a great career. I think he got honored a lot in the end, anyway, from what briefly I read about. So that's something, anyway. And he shot Second uh, Union Unit on the Lord of the Rings stuff. So I guess Peter Jackson must have uh, possibly. Yeah. But yeah, well, he also made a, quite a good one for people watching now during Corona. He made um, another film called The Quiet Earth, oh. which I think is another one of his sort of somewhat serious films. Ah. Uh, and it's Bruno Lawrence, who's the the white guy with the crazy shotgun in Utu, oh. who's kind of a, a very well-known New Zealand actor or a revered New Zealand uh-huh. actor. And then he wakes up and he's the only man left on Earth, or, or so it seems. Um, so, yeah, The Quiet Earth is kind of a, a bit of a classic. Oh, I'm going to um, watch that for sure. Yeah. yeah. And what was the name of the first one he did, the the, bro- the breakout one, Pork? Well, pork, good, Goodbye Pork Pie. Goodbye Pork Pie. Um, it's, it's kind of more of a caper. Okay. I haven't seen it for a while okay. as well. I mean, it's got it's, got its fans. Um yeah, I, I I couldn't really talk about it. I mean, it's some, guy, some guys kind of driving around the country in a tiny yellow car, you know, doing stupid shit. All right, <laughs> I'll have to check that out. <laughs> uh, well, maybe we could tackle yeah. tackle. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, okay. I, mean, I, I just really we cannot let you go without talking about Jane Campion. And I was about to say, let's let's deal with Jane. <laughs> Where do we stand on Jane? She's going crazy, right? Oh, sorry. Hang on, just a minute. It's probably the male, the um, male person. Okay. Well, I mean, I okay, guess so. like the piano is, is an interesting crossover to Utu because mm-hmm. it also deals with that kind of colonial yeah. um, era and, you know, definitely in a much more uh, of an Oscar winning kind of <laughs> like affect, um, mm-hmm. but, but pretty good. I mean, in terms of just the, the, that landscape at that time being um, uh, bushy, muddy, scrubby, mm-hmm. incredibly difficult to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, and there being kind of tribes sitting around that kind of confused by these people putting pegs in the ground, you know? Um, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just went back to Jane Campion recently and, um, watched an angel at my table and the piano, um, mm-hmm. after not having really seen the piano, it's, it's bad, obviously it's a New Zealander. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I really enjoyed an angel at my table. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that one better myself. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it's, it's a really strong film yeah. and obviously she identifies with, uh, well, in both films really mm-hmm. like these kind of characters who speak, um, through their art like, primarily, mm-hmm. um, and uh you know and it's also just such a great weird story she's a famous writer in new zealand the big fluffy ginger hair who was committed um with with probably misdiagnosed as being schizophrenic and subjected to Mm -hmm. electric shock therapy for almost a decade uh Mm -hmm. even as she was a prize-winning author right and that's (laughs) what saves um, her from that's the one of the big climactic points she's she's about to get a lobotomy they're going to force a a lobotomy on her and a couple days before she wins some prestigious literary prize and that and that saves her from this horrific fate yeah it's an incredible story. Yeah, yeah. No, the story yeah. itself, but is it something like that? Does that seem to you kind of very New Zealand? Someone mystic, like in terms of even her character, she's this author who is not even like fighting back enough to say that she's not schizophrenic and doesn't need lobotomy, but like quietly suffers all the treatments. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, if this is, I mean, obviously, I guess all health systems were pretty weird towards mental health mm. in, in that era. Like, uh. I don't know if New Zealand was necessarily better or worse than, than other places. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
But yeah, I was watching it too. And I was like, what is she just too polite to say she's not schizophrenic <laughs> or too awkward uh, to say that she maybe doesn't need this? No, it or... seemed like she had internalized, you know, she, cause there's such a difference between her child childhood self when she has all this kind of adorable, they get this great kid actor to play her when she's little and she's just kind of strutting through the world with this giant mass of, of red hair. And, and by the time she gets to teenagerhood, she's such a crushed figure. And it's interesting that they don't really chart it. They don't like, like a uh, campion doesn't really chart the, what, what specifically happens. And for me, I was just reading it in terms of, of working class life, Plus, mm -hmm. you know, you know, other fact, we'll just beat the hell out of you, <laughs> and and by the time she gets to a certain age, there's enough calamity in her life, enough enough horror in her life that's just everyday horror, and you know, gender stuff and everything else, and she's just kind of lost all sense of self, and that allows her to go with diagnoses of what's wrong with her because she clearly doesn't seem to know what's wrong with her like the scene where she she's gonna you know be be observed as a teacher and she's been planning to be a teacher all her life and suddenly she can't. She can't function at all. She goes staggering out of there, you know, walking barefoot and crying and having no idea what happened to her. So it seems like that's part of it, that she loses herself in the middle of the film and has to find herself again somehow through art. At least that was my take. Um, but I was, ama I was amazed yeah. that Campion didn't step by step it. It seems like that would have been a much more typical thing to do. Like at what point does the kind of jolly confidence of her childhood, mm. unless that's just happens to all of us. I remember it happening to me. So maybe I'm just overreading it. <laughs> Every girl who gets to age, what, what is the age? 11, I believe. And, we, and we get plunged into an absolute crisis of confidence, but she doesn't really show it, at least in, in my memory. Yeah, I think one thing that in the movie, I mean, she she's obviously these bad teeth. They're like oh, rotten teeth. God, reading it's a nightmare to even look and, at. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's this this thing where she was obviously incredibly introverted and socially awkward mm -hmm. and dug herself into that, and then she had these weird teeth and yeah. kind of looked weird and probably was a bit eccentric. And uh, yeah, I guess I guess people just treated her like she was a complete loon, you know, and a, and a crazy person. And I think she accepts um, it more and more and isolates herself more and more. Yeah. You see a kind of like she starts acting it out. Like she's being invited places by her much more outgoing, outgoing sister. That's another horrific. Should I, should we spoil everything? I don't know. There are horrific things that happen <laughs> to the family. But anyway, her much more outgoing sister, is it, is it college with her trying to get her in, more engaged and she just is withdrawing more and more. So it's, the film is, is, is kind of subtle and, and I don't know, kind of reticent about, about the actual stages, which I respect anyway. It had a huge impact uh, on me. Yeah. It had too many things that I could relate to. Let me just say, <laughs> you know. Well, because, yeah, the, the other odd thing about her, she has this real self-confidence as well in a, in a strange way mm -hmm. too uh, about her, her writing yeah. and her, her belief that she's going to be um, – be a writer right. uh, and obviously had a sophisticated you know talent even from a young mm -hmm. age um i know i need to yeah, read some so, of it. i've never read any jane frame it sounds like she's you know she's a big deal yeah and neither um, have yeah, i have any <laughs> <laughs> but the other funny thing that you'll uh, Genia is she goes on the, the overseas experience finally mm -hmm. uh, uh, when she wins an award and she goes, gets to go to Europe you know on a scholarship mm -hmm. uh, and, and finally has a good time right. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's, nice it's yeah. such a relief <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she also there's a nice scene an interim right before that happens where she's staying with the with the other guy who's a writer in this kind of I don't know rural 
writing compound. And it just, for me, it was so moving because it's like, that's what every life needs, at least every working class life. You need someone who has just a little bit extra. You need someone who's got some give in the system to say, come here and you can just be here. And most people who are working class don't have that. That's what, that's what kills the strongest. You can never get a break. No one will ever just pluck you out and say, come stay here and do your thing for six months or whatever. So many minds, I swear to God, would be healed um, if that could happen. And we just don't have any, we have no system for that, for that magical thing. So for me, that was a really magical interlude when the writer just says, come here and be a writer. Oh my God, what a dream come true. Um, yeah, I guess trying to be a, a literary type writer in a rural New Zealand setting probably would make most people think you're insane. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy is kind nice, of insane. You know, he's like yeah. a four-cornered handkerchief on his head and he is kind of a nutter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of – because he's another like well-known writer. Yeah, he's, oh, yeah, he? He, yeah. he is kind of a character. Yeah, he's kind of yeah. – uh, yeah, sort of New Zealand – yeah, I have trouble with Jane Campion. I think because I saw I saw the piano at when I was in the academy, and it was the height of uh, feminist psychoanalytic theory, and that movie got taken up to the point that it became you know practically sacred text, um, and it just so I found that hard. <laughs> I found that hard. Things like you know she literally doesn't have her voice and has to find her. Vo- I'm just like fuck. So I think I was just peculiarly situated to hate the the piano with an unreasoning hatred. Um, It's probably a very fine film. It certainly looks gorgeous and is super atmospheric. But I've just always had I've always had a lingering problem with Campion since then. So I'm glad I saw Angel at my table because I looked a lot better. Where Where do you stand? Did you watch her first feature, Sweetie? No. I haven't seen it. I was warned off it by a friend who said you were going to hate it so hard. Is it good? <laughs> I kind of like it. I don't oh, yeah. like piano really too much. It's too sentimental. I can't. I can't deal with it. So I'm. I'm. I'm there with you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like Sweetie. I like her early shorts. But I guess it's frequent like that. You know, or mm-hmm. the early, the good early stuff. <laughs> so I, I do like mm-hmm. her. But it's just interesting. I don't know what what's if Rowan has some insight into her. She comes from like a very distinguished Wellington family. So it's like she has a very specific circumstances too, you know, mm. to do what she did. I forgot her grandparents created were some kind of big industrialist, if I remember correctly. I don't know. Uh, do you have a different yeah. take on her? Because she's very like, um, yeah, she's Kiwi, but she's very sort of um, kind of worldly. Um, yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, she, um, she, I mean, I guess she, she obviously has some talent. I mean, she's yeah, not yeah. just a privileged person. Um, so I, I guess she was able to to, you know, get the best in education and go to London, you know, and, and study overseas. Uh, and I, I suppose had her work supported. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't have any, anything too much to say in depth. I mean, you know, she's, she's made some strong films. What interests me is she seems to have are, like a, at least a awesome. foot or half a foot into the Gothic, but not, not fully, at least in those two films we're, we're mainly talking about piano and, um, uh, Angel at my table. You know, she's not fully gothic, um, but there's qualities of of gothicness. It seems like. It, well, or maybe the one the- she made right after the piano um, is this sort of period piece mm. set in Europe uh, huh. with a just a all star cast, like oh. a huge uh, everybody, you know. And mm-hmm. um, but it, it was a, a a bit of a mess. I, yeah, hmm. it's not definitely doesn't hang together. Um, but I remember seeing in the cut like a long time ago oh, and thinking I quite, quite enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. 
which is kind of it's set in America and it's sort of mildly erotic kind of thriller. Right, isn't it Meg Ryan um, trying to be serious and all that? Maybe, yeah. yeah. Probably, I don't know if I would, I would think if I watched it again. But uh, And I've heard Top of the I, I haven't watched Top of the Lake. Okay, but, and that yeah. sounds very, very gothic. Completely gothic. So I don't know. I don't know why. I have nothing to say about that other than it seems like she's somehow gothic adjacent and I don't quite know how I'd have to. I'd have to try to work that out. <laughs> well, it's uh, sort of, yeah, we didn't even know until like last week that that genre exists. I know. <laughs> you know? Or we're newbies. I mean, New Zealand Gothic. New Zealand Gothic. Yeah. Which I love. I want to watch a ton more. It's I find it really, really very yeah. compelling. But you know, but I feel like, I mean, we, I do definitely should chat with Ron more about like Taika. Yeah. I, I liked his early stuff for sure. But now I'm I'm like in full heartedly hate his Hollywood shit and I don't know I think <laughs> to some degree too but I don't know how much you can like how much you want to say uh, he's a national icon I can't say uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, you yeah, can't speak I against him no <laughs> no I, I yeah whatever I'll, I'll talk some I'll talk some shit but um I mean I think when you I think when you say you like his early stuff again you probably mean his, his middle stuff uh, <laughs> because I think if you watched um Eagle versus Shark you would probably not like it uh, I've heard of that movie because yeah, I mean that was just sort of I think his first feature, um, and it's I don't know if it's fair to say it's like a very like Napoleon Dynamite kind of mm. thing, but it's mm-hmm. kind of in that sort of zone. Uh, so and obviously that sort of sensibility because he, he's such an odd character because he's sort of um, as you'll say, Evgenia, he's a, a part Russian Jew. So he's got that kind of intellectual kind of nerdy, um, Jewish quality going on. Uh, that's and right. He calls himself like a Polynesian a, Jew, doesn't he? <laughs> Polynesian Jew. Yeah. yeah. So he's got this, he's like a, it, it, that's just a crazy hybrid of a character. Um, but because I've grown up in New Zealand, fully propagandized, I never knew that. I just thought of him as being a New Zealandari. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until uh, you and, and Yasha claimed him, basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Mom is a Russian Jew. He actually went mm. as a, like, I looked up, he had like so, some sort of artistic career outside of film uh, going by the name of Taika Cohen. So by Galactic <laughs> terms, Jewish terms, he's full Jew. If your mom is Jewish, you're a Jew. <laughs> and, and the other thing, I mean, as a Jew, I can say it, but also another thing to me, it's not even that you say, oh, he has a Jew thing. He's a nerdy. It's not what I see. I see that he has this more Mel Brooks kind of thing going. Even if I didn't know about this heritage, I, I, I mean, I saw him doing like a talk at Sundance a few years ago. I don't know. He has like Mel Brooks vibe, which is flattering because he's mm-hmm. funny in person. But uh, but yeah, but that's that's my take. And nothing nothing wrong with it. It's just funny that the most kind of successful Hollywood TV is Jewish. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, yeah I mean, I, I, yeah, I, like I, I really enjoyed Flight of the Concords when it came out. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was sort of a little bit ambivalent about Eagle versus Shark. Um, and then I, I had that weird cultural cringe thing for years where I would be at a film festival and they're playing what we do in the shadows and say, I don't want to see New Zealand stuff. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm here to like see the American Indies or whatever. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not parochial anymore. I don't really care for our national <laughs> uh, So I basically ignored him for, you know, five or 10 years. Um, and then I went back and watched um, Hunt for the Wilder People. And I was like, oh, actually, you know, this is kind of great. I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think I probably did see Boy somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Even Thor, Ragn- Ragnarok, Ragnarok, as far as Hollywood shit goes, was pretty funny and good. I-, I thought so, which is surprising. It's like from a few years ago. 
Yeah, I haven't seen exactly, that one. Yeah, I need yeah. to watch that one. Yeah. It actually you'll be surprised that mm-hmm. there's a certain touch which I think he there he still kept it. It's mm-hmm. funny. Yeah, my godsons loved it. Um, I, sh- I should have listened to them. They told me to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. And then, for me, yeah. he lost. That's it. He's like a full Hollywood asshole. Jojo Rabbit is horrible. And he so seems to be proud <laughs> proud of his Oscar for like writing it. And you know, there's like a weird story. It's like written by what a former New Zealand model. The hell's the, the, the story is even ridiculous. I don't think it's oh, compelling. Mm. Well, it's an odd film, and I, I, I guess my hot take that I was going to throw out when when we were sucking was that um this this that film could be his turning point uh, where he goes full Hollywood shit live. Oh um, yeah, basically yeah. in the middle of that film because um, yeah, he's there now, obviously, and they they worship him. He's a big deal. He, you know, he can do these charity campaigns, you know, against you know, for BLM or whatever, and uh, he'll get all these big people doing you know black mm-hmm. and white videos and stuff, um, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, you know, because he's, he's probably slated to direct a Star Wars film, so he's no longer an outsider mm-hmm. um, that wants his way in. I think he's he's fully welcomed, and mm-hmm. um, you know, especially um, in in the, in the current kind of context where they really want um, to diversify, um, and he's just such a charming person. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just the perfect mm-hmm. perfect person for like Disney or someone to pick up and mm-hmm. like you know, essentially used to inject some interesting character into their fucking Marvel franchises. <laughs> um, because that's what they need. They pump out like how many of those stupid movies a year, mm-hmm. except like obviously none, you know, in the last year. Uh, and they get boring as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they need to find ways to mix it up a little bit. Um, so, you know, Taika did that pretty successfully with, with Thor and, and, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'll, look forward to seeing what he has a go with, with star wars <laughs> I mean, it'll be interesting to see what he does with it um uh i think they obviously respect his kind of humor and that he's going to do something a little bit different mm-hmm. they, they let him do it with gore um so yeah we'll see mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah jojo rabbit is, is such a weird i mean because uh you know, I, I didn't mind the start. I thought it was quite funny. Uh, you know, just a kid who's um, a little Nazi, kind of like an aspiring Nazi. And he obviously Taika plays this sort of quirky version of Hitler. <laughs> um, but then, and I think this is a film that just splits people down the middle because some people love the second half, but not the first mm-hmm. half. And some people are the other way around. And in the second half, it's like, oh, well, actually, he doesn't even know it, but he's secretly Jewish. And his mother is helping a Jewish kid who's hiding in an attic. And he learns to see the Jewish child as human, you know, and like <laughs> we're like treated to a, a revelation that Nazism is bad. <laughs> oh, um, dear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm. And yeah, and so the second half of the film is super sentimental and super immoralizing about the most, you know, obvious. <laughs> basically the most obvious observation of the 20th century. Oh dear. So yeah, I find that like the, the fact that he needed to, to yeah, do that. Oh um, yeah. But, <laughs> but listen, so when you go to New Zealand uh, soon again, like, um, and you're trying to make some New Zealand, um, in a base film, do you have to, <laughs> I don't know, is he some kind of godfather there? Do you like have not to cross him? Or he's not even there. It's not. It's not a big deal to sort of be nodded to, to say something bad about. Um, oh, I don't know. I mean, people probably think I'm a, think I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that guy? Is that guy? Who's hardly even made a documentary. Uh, 
just slagging off this fantastic Taika Waititi. <laughs> uh, and I'm not slagging him off. I mean, I think he's, I think he's pretty, pretty We great. all agree we like um, him and he's talented and we, yeah. Yeah, yeah, funny. <laughs> we yeah, just, we yeah. fear for him. We uh, fear for his soul in Hollywood. <laughs> they have yeah. a production company. They have a pretty good production <laughs> company. I'm sure if their production company gets behind you, you're going to do, do good things. Mm-hmm. So it's good um, to have them on your side. If- <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, I mean, it is a very small industry over there. Uh, That's true. You, know, you got to be careful. That are at the top, <laughs> uh, all going to be able to pick up the phone and call each other. Um, and you know, uh, yeah, it's a small, it's a small, um, it's a small scene. Mm-hmm. But you know, about the the smallness of it all, you still guys have um, this kind of, I guess, privilege or whatever. It's just how it happened. You know, it's English language, so it has this capacity potentially immediately to cross borders, not just in Commonwealth, but like, I mean, sort of all over the world. It's a kind of part of, you know, the empire <laughs> and join the American empire potentially too. It's easier than, you know, non-English speaking countries. So in a way it's not, it's not like I imagine as secluded, right? Cause it sort of has this immediately international, potentially international appeal. Of course. Yeah. And in New Zealand culture is quite Americanized. Um, you know, I, I, I would say coming from New Zealand to America is less of a cultural shock in a way than going to even like London, you mm-hmm. know, like, uh, this seems a little bit more alien and different than, uh, yeah, than America does. Hey, why uh, is it so? Cause you would think the opposite, right? Cause you sort of, I don't know, <laughs> the, the banal thing, Commonwealth, that it's more, whatever closer to well yeah i mean britain's the old world you know and uh new zealand and, and america are both mm. col- colonies i guess <laughs> um, but then um <laughs> yeah uh but but i mean you know obviously it's american you know american culture it's everywhere you know we all grow up watching american television mm-hmm. and, you know american businesses and franchises and you know we're, we're basically running uh, some version of american culture with a slightly kind of south pacific island vibe (laughs) right right yeah yeah well i don't know do you want to like plug anything in or talk about future project or something of that kind tell Um, us about the documentary or is it too soon well i mean we yeah obviously it's out there we we did a kickstarter for it last Mm -hmm. year um so this is um pistachio wars um so in terms of a a nepotism this is Evgenia's husband yasha Mm -hmm. is uh the journalist and kind of co-director and writer of, of the film um, it, it's been a little bit of a, you know, we're in deep into five or six years of shooting and, and post-production. Uh, and, um, we hope to have it out next year. Uh, but it, it's set in California and it, it's a road trip through California that kind of orbits around these billionaire pistachio barons, mm-hmm. um, and their grasp of water and, and that sort of, uh, you know, they're, they're basically an American oligarch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Look, uh, let, me, let me pitch it. You're, you're not doing it justice. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it's like the most important movie about California water since Polanski's Chinatown. So Okay, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, think that, that's, that's the short that's, that's the short, short punchy version the real life China <laughs> yeah, real yes life real life China. China. and again done by foreigners just want to emphasize that you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well it's it's agitprop you know it's Russian New Zealand agitprop <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. against America I can't wait to see this thing are you thinking like festivals first or do you have a do you have a plan uh, yeah I guess we'll try for festivals mm-hmm. I mean um, you know I'm sure it will be a circulating um, you know some, some copies before we put it mm-hmm. out there um but uh, yeah, I'm really excited to to get it up too. You know, mm-hmm. it's um, 
yeah, I, I, you know, we, it's all there. You know, we've got some great footage, mm-hmm. and it's such a stunning setting. And uh, you know, there's just so much material. And then the struggle's really just been to um, find a good thread through that material mm-hmm. where we don't get lost and don't get bogged down, and, right. and can be cinematic. Um, and uh, and so so know, unknown. What I mean, that's what's yeah. so exciting. It's so unknown. I mean, even if you live in California for many years, which I did, you just drive through it. The highways go through it. You drive through it. <laughs> the most, the vast majority of people know nothing about what goes on out, out there. So exactly, yeah. and it's all bad it's stuff. All bad. <laughs> it's all exactly. like Really, it's really <laughs> yes, terrible. Yes, yes. Yes. Fucking shell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's a film whose time has come. We need it. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, coming coming from New Zealand, there's all these parts of California that are romanticized, obviously, like Big Sur and mm-hmm. Joshua Tree. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'd always dreamed of doing a road trip um, through these places. Um, and, of course, I've been there now and done sort of 20,000 miles around the Central Valley, which is <laughs> like the most sort of visually unappealing right. in, in some places, incredibly stinky. Uh-huh. Uh, um, yeah, part of California. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's a good 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 I guess ending. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think we've done it. We've wrapped it. So yes. Um thanks so much, Rowan. At least you guys are like lucky that Eileen ran away from California just on time. Rowan is not here anymore and we're stuck here and it's like really becoming more of a hell landscape, truly, like day by day. Yeah, the hellishness seems to be manifesting. It's like the latent becoming manifested in such a year. God is angry with this place. <laughs> I mean American general but california specifically yeah. feels like very old old, old testament, testament shit. Mm-hmm. yeah i feel like it's not he's not with us you know how <laughs> it's not about being right or like righteous it's if god is with you so yeah. i don't feel like he's with us. yeah no it's, it's unsubtle isn't it yeah when the, the sky is just <laughs> right. red it's, pretty much. <laughs> it's like god who's writing this shit yeah. <laughs> that's right yes yeah. So yeah, yeah. Thanks for talking. To Thank us. you. That was so interesting. Really illuminated. Yeah, it was wonderful. Uh, great to be on. You know, I'm a fun fan. So, uh, oh, you have the good work. Oh, thanks. <laughs>